Hey everybody, welcome to episode 37 of the Print Design Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins. Welcome here. Thanks for being here. This is the podcast, the show where we are interviewing creatives and designers behind incredible print projects out there in the world. Could be labels, could be books, could be packaging, could be all of those things. Today is no different. Today's project is actually a Grammy award-winning project And I'm so excited and privileged to have been able to have a conversation with the designer behind this amazing project. Today's guest is Lawrence Azarad from Lad Design based out of LA. So Lad Design works with musicians, cultural institutions, and enterprises looking to visualize the future. And today's project, our deep dive project, is the Ode to Joy album artwork and design for the band Wilco. And it's incredible. It's multidimensional. There's pop-up things. There's things to twist. There's things to interact with and engage with, which just makes an incredibly powerful experience for anybody that gets their hands on this thing. So, of course, we do a deep dive into that project and everything that went into that, um, from the design and the ideas to how they became reality. But we also talk a little bit about Lawrence's journey to lad design and getting to do some of the award-winning work starting with in the mid-90s, working with Warner Records and Miles Davis and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, He talks about his trajectory from working there all the way to where he's at today, along with a whole bunch of other conversation about vinyls and albums and the power of those things and how it's the extension of that art and craft of music. That and so much more. This is jam-packed episode, so let's just get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Lawrence Azrad. Here we go. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep, to holding the finished product in their hand, and all the key decisions in between. So, let's talk ink on paper. Lawrence, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you? I'm great, and I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks, Dave. Terrific. I've been admiring the furniture in the background here for you. <laughs> well, you have to represent uh, California where you can. and That's uh, true. If you're, um, as a designer, I feel like you need to surround yourself with good design. If, uh, if you walked into a doctor's office and didn't see like doctor stuff, uh, it might be weird. <laughs> That's true. It would be very weird. That's a great point. I like Thanks. that. Awesome. So I'm going to start by kicking this over to you and just tell us about yourself. How did you get into this game? Uh, born and raised in Los Angeles and always loved design and, and, and drawing and creativity and, and went to uh, college at the California College of Arts in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up, after graduating, landing a job at, at Warner Records in the, in the mid-1990s where um, a lot of great things happened. Uh, I met my wife, who I'm still married to today, and Love very much. Uh, I got to work with artists such as Miles Davis, Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, Herbie Hancock, uh, a whole spectrum of people. 
And uh, that's also where I first started working with the band Wilco. Um, and it was it was just kind of a situation where planets aligned and and fell in love with working in the music industry for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of things in there I want to pull apart a little bit. It sounds to me like you were saying that like it had been creative and art and design like from very early for you. Yeah, it's a. I think everyone is born with a natural proclivity towards um, a certain thing that you're you're attracted to, be it sports or, or you know, if, if you're a good logics person, maybe law or, or or policy or civic justice. But I was I was a kid who always drew and painted, and and um, it, it felt good to create things that resonated with others. Um, and I, I actually went to school to study illustration, um, not really knowing much about graphic design. Um, but once you could start to see a, a whole opportunity, a whole field where there was a way to apply creativity and design and drawing and, 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 and thinking and, and, uh, ideas, uh, and that could have an impact on people's lives for good, uh, that was really attractive to me. So you start down this illustration route. And at that point, did you, when you started that journey, did you know that this design and illustration could be a career? It could be a thing to do the rest of your life? Um, well, it was a different time in design. It was, it was the mid 1990s and, uh, there were these kind of, um, giants in, in the Bay area and in, in graphic design kind of history, you know, people like, well, obviously you had the people from the mid century, like, you know, Paul Rand and, and, uh, Ivan Cheremayev, but in the Bay area, you had people like, you know, Michael Vanderbile and Michael Mannering, and then really exotic typographic work with people like Lucille Tanazis and, uh it was kind of the advent of the early like Reagan days where David Carson was coming up and and you start to kind of see this this merging of um cultural identities and 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 cultural movements and cultural expression being manifested through design um as i got older i realized that that's been happening throughout kind of the dawn of 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 you know you 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 have this kind of marriage between design and societies and political mm-hmm. movements and, and social movements um, happening for, for a long time. But I think it was just where I was kind of at an age where I was becoming more aware of it. And it was a kind of at that time where I said, you know, I rather than just illustration, which was also very hot and very popular and very mm-hmm. lucrative at the time, um, it, w- it was it was kind of the whole working in the whole ecosystem of design and where it applied to architecture and environments and and design systems and the idea of a brand uh and and uh i that was very attractive to me and i think design then is 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 something quite different than what it is now where um you know design can really be a lot more about holding ideas and movements and and making things more um accessible for people and and uh bridging gaps, helping to bridge gaps in society. I like the way you worded that bridging gaps. That was cool. So as well, you're, it's so that, important to 
recognize, I feel like it's important to recognize that design has always had a role more than just making things look cool and making things look fashionable. And, um, and we could talk about it a little bit more later on, but that's how design for music really resonates with, with, with cultures and societies, you know, design is a, is a vessel for ideas that mean something, you know, socially and politically and, and culturally. Yep. There was one episode. Um, oh, it's going to test my memory here. There's a brilliant podcast out there. The name has completely escaped me um, right now. Very clever design related podcast. Very popular. Ah, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I forget. Um, where they dive deep into these different aspects of things that you otherwise wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought of sort of giving you a different perspective on something that is public and obvious that you might not have thought of before. Sounding like Roman Mars is 99%. Yes. Thank you. Right. Yes. That right. is the one. Yeah. And I'm kept, I kept trying to remember the name Roman Mars was like just behind any, yeah. Um, he did an episode on a logo that was created for one of the Olympics years back. I believe it was back in the seventies um, where around the Olympics, there was also a lot of political unrest and a lot of things going on down. I believe it was in Mexico is where the Olympics were. Mm-hmm. And that was the point where it really clicked for me. And this is fairly recently, like wow, design is so much bigger than just making things look good. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I I have the seventy two Olympics poster by Ulta Iker right there uh, behind yeah. my computer. And you're talking about the Lance Wyman sixty eight Olympics, but uh, the it it is much more about than than a logo um, or or a suite of colors or a system of typography. You know, mm-hmm. when you think about say like um, you know the Black Panthers movement or black lives matter or even the advent of you know the 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 soviet revolution you know every kind of movement has a visual language that people can kind of relate to and identify and and i think to um codify it just as you know a system of colors and type and fonts is 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 not to acknowledge the the depth to which you know we identify with um i mean here in america and this goes for for positive and negative i'm not going to wade too deep into political waters but Mm -hmm. you know that red make america great hat here in the u.s says a lot of things about the person that wears it you know these decisions are more than aesthetic and um when people see things that uh say it's for um someone with disabilities and and the design makes it more accessible for people to access things you know there's there's this um there can be a humanitarian there should be a humanitarian aspect of of design and when it's just um merely style or fashion or aesthetics i think we're we're missing um part of the whole holistic prism yep completely yeah i like the way you put a lot of that and i can see now how you know you specializing in those in the design stuff around around culture and around um you know music and those elements they they all are sort of intertwined together in in some sense in some way 
Um, Lawrence, I want to ask you now, and we're going to take this back in time a little bit here. What is your earliest memory of printer packaging? Something from your childhood, from your teens, anything stand out for you? That's a really great question, Dave. Um, already stated growing up in Los Angeles, um, the 1984 Olympics happened in Los Angeles and the city was transformed. I think it was like 10 or 11 years old at the time. Uh, famously, uh, the, the whole ecosystem of the Olympics was, was driven, most of the credit is give, driven, given to uh, Deborah Sussman and, and her, her, her partner, uh, Sussman Prasia, her, her design studio. Deborah Sussman, of course, um, came up uh, as as a key pillar of the studio of Charles and Ray Eames. Um, but I remember at a very early age, just this kind of the city being awash in a very bold and distinct color palette. There were these teals and oranges and purples, and it just everything looked cool. And there was this um, vibrancy and freshness and 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 an awakening of, of color and pattern and, and, and all of it was very simple. Um, but it was just like, wow, I, I, those, those things, I like them. I want them. I, I, I was attracted to them. And I remember kind of going down to the sites where the Olympics were happening and they created these very simple, like structures with poles and flags and ribbons and things like that. And it was just kind of like the capacity to just transform your whole, world that you lived in through color and mm -hmm. thinking and ideas um that was that was kind of um my first kind of that i can easily remember an mm -hmm. awakening to and easily creating an experience you know much less of like oh those are nice colors but you feel something you start it becomes something more yeah there was um a celebration uh a vibrancy to it, energy that behind was, it yeah 100 percent um, so fast forwarding a little bit, what about recently, other than the amazing project we're going to get into and talk about, have you come across recently any, um, really unique packaging or print that you, you were surprised by, or you had a great interaction with? Oh, Dave, that's a much harder question. Um, because well, for many reasons, um, now we're proliferated with streams and streams of great design everywhere you look, but mm -hmm. also um, podcasts like yours, you know, you're in your inbox. It's nice that every, every week giving you new updates and, and refreshing. I, I try to stay away from not stay away from, but design aggregation sites like design inspiration or Pinterest, because mm. it's just uh, an ocean of, of, of design and things like yes. that. Um, I just create, curated an exhibit for the Museum of Design Atlanta on, on the intersection of design and music. And, and we're just, you're always kind of sifting through, um, through what's new and what's fresh. But to answer your question, um, Honestly, I, I I feel like there's there's something new and fresh every week 
which I celebrate. I I I I cheer. I'm I'm not the type of designer that curses um, people who are doing things fresher than me or or, or newer than <laughs> me. Um, I like you know. Uh, Solange Knowles just launched a new cre uh, a creative studio that she's been working on in a while. That is 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 an interdisciplinary uh, studio of makers of of, of color. Um, it's uh, I I just try to keep an open mind um, towards who's doing something fresh. I I am leery and weary of trends mm -hmm. and try to um keep a, a keep a low um low 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 threshold on um the trends but when i do see someone doing something um unique that someone doing something that that moves the needle culturally, socially, in the space of healing and in the space of mental health in the space of social justice, mm -hmm. um, things that are, are um, vibrant visually. I've, I've also come to realize that design is much more than just uh, print design, even though mm -hmm. we're, we're here today on the print design podcast. But, mm -hmm. you know, this idea of what design even is, is becoming um, broader and more open. And, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And you make a great point in the abundance of great design and great things that are behind culture and movements and these different things happening literally every day. And the, the intersection where you see somebody who has used online social media, email, website, and print all in this beautiful harmony all interacting and supporting one another. That is like the beautiful sweet spot um, right now. And that's the kind of stuff that gets me really excited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> that's not a mic drop moment. Is it? That's yeah, not a yeah. spot. No, no, no. It, it, it's just, uh, I, I'm sure after the podcast, I'll say, Oh yeah, this example or that, that example, but, um, I think it's it's important to uh, keep encouraging people to go one step forward, um, to embrace technology that's not mm -hmm. even yet invented, um, to embrace speculative design. Um, we have to keep kind of stepping boldly into adventurous territory as far as the future goes. Um, that That's a little bit of what I'm doing with this education initiative that I've authored with the California College of the Arts and 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 Imperial College of London, where where you know we we it's it's important to just keep asking yourself what's next, what what's next as far as how can design serve society in a more active way and in a more meaningful way, but then again also how can the form take shape using new technology, new um, new techniques, or even remastering techniques that are have been around for hundreds of years and and i'm i'm also quick to say that we we need to also maintain excellence in prints and and quality craft and in, in in paper and and making books and, and things of the tangible uh -huh. uh too so there there's 
craft has a million different kind of vectors, be it, mm-hmm. you know, AI or, or in, an app based design or a website or, or, or a handmade book, you know, it's, it's, we, these are the things that we connect with that inform and enrich our lives while we're here. So we have to kind of support the people that um, make the work that enriches our lives in, in a meaningful way. Yes, absolutely. I really like the way you said that in that um, meaningful, in a meaningful way. So I want to talk a little bit more about your journey with design and with print here, Lawrence. And the first sort of question leading into that and leading into sort of the main um, print project that we're going to talk about, um, what was the very first print project you were ever a part of? The very first one. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Um, wow, Dave, you, you stumped me. Uh, <laughs> There were certainly things in college that I remember that were, um, you know, posters and things like that. And just the thrill of actually like having yeah. things printed is, is, is really, um, you you, you never forget your first time. As, as they say. <laughs> yes. Um, because I think, I think why it matters is not for your own ego, but at least for me, design is about making an impact on other people's lives. So when it's printed, there's the supposition that, that others are seeing it and, and hopefully appreciating it. So when you do see it on print, it, it, it's real and it's out in the world and, and, and you're putting that thing out there and, and hopefully you're putting something that, that's making the world a little bit of, of a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, after leaving college, I worked briefly at a branding studio, which, which was, which was a great place to work. And I kind of liken it to, um, you know, kind of boot camp in, in army after, uh, and learning how to do setups and things like that, where I worked on things for like, bell helmets and and some you know ice cream companies and things like that you know that it's just kind of like important to cut your teeth and important to realize that you're going to make mistakes and things like that Mm -hmm. and then i got this job at at warner records um and uh the first album package that um i worked on was like a sampler that was like you know kind of um like a compilation sampler in the 90s uh called alternative summer it's only significant to me because my wife who also um worked at the record label um liked the cover and and she she we didn't know who each other were and the first time we met um she we were in the hallway she said oh you're lawrence nazareth you did alternative summer and 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 we kind of like that we kind of bonded over this uh so that's that album package is, is it's how I met my wife. That's but, amazing. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, and it, that that we, we've never forgotten that. Um, it was the package is very high nineties. I'm pretty sure there was there was a lot of at least a couple graphic mistakes I could think of um, off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, I'll just come clean right here. You know, the type was not high res enough so there was some rasterization there and and the print wasn't extended for bleed so 
um, just you, you're going to make mistakes. Yes. Mistakes are going to happen. Um, mistakes continue to happen, but you have to kind of be aware to them and continue to grow. I heard on a different podcast today that it's not mistakes, it's mistakes because you have to make them. You must make them to get better. <laughs> yeah, some of them are, are more painful than others. <laughs> That's um, for sure. If, if you're not learning um, and, and evolving and growing, something's wrong. Yes. Yeah. And that's an important part. And because, you know, when a, when a designer creates something for an Instagram ad and they catch a typo just after it's posted, it could be fixed in 30 seconds. When you've printed something and you've got plates made and you're at the giant press at five, six hundred, $800 an hour and you go, Oh no big old typo right there. That's a different game. So I almost think that that scares designers away from it, even, even if they want to get into print and want to start dabbling in print. Um, so talking about these things that errors happen and th- people learn and, you know, even designers who have been in doing print design for decades still r- can run into some of these things, which is a beautiful segue and tie into this next question which is, have you ever been a part of a print project that did not turn out as you had hoped? Didn't go well, went sideways. Can you tell us about that if you have one? Oh yeah, Dave, I don't think we have enough time in the podcast to talk about <laughs> like uh, as, as many of those, but um, yeah, the question is, is when mistakes happen, what are you going to do about it? Yes. And, and how are you going to solve it? So um, one of the packages that that has been a big success story for us was the Voyager Golden Record. Um, that for, for which one of a package that we won one of those Grammys behind me for. Um, uh, it was um, celebrated by the public. It broke Kickstarter's record for their for their largest release, uh, music based wow. release ever. Congratulations! Um, it was it was it was a fortunately a project that captivated um the imagination of a lot of people and uh there were um part of design is figuring out solutions and there was so yeah this is a print design podcast so speaking to print specifically um on the cover of the Voyager Golden Record, we have a diagram that is um, on the uh, actual um, uh, cover of the Voy- of, of the record that's in space. What the Voyager Golden Record, to your listeners who don't may not know, is that there's a spacecraft, two spacecraft. Um, they're 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 currently about one's about 13 billion miles away, another's about 11 billion miles of, there we go. Um, so that mm-hmm. diagram, so so Carl Sagan and his team um, put this record on the Voyager spacecraft. Uh, the spacecraft was, the mission was to take photographs of the planets in our solar system. It was gonna be the first close-up examination of mm-hmm. the planets in our planetary neighborhood ever. And this, this spacecraft based on um, the forces of gravity um, is, going to travel through the cosmos in perpetuity um long after planet earth is consumed by the sun (laughs) Uh, yes and this project kind of opens up 
a lot of pretty trippy ideas as far as, you know, space and time and who we are and where we are in space and time. And I think actually this is why it kind of captured the imagination of, of, of the public long before the release of our anniversary edition of the record. Um, mm -hmm. Just it, it, the, the, So back to the story is this, this Carl Sagan and his, his team of creatives and scientists decided that should extraterrestrials ever come in contact with the spacecraft from our from our planet this wouldn't it be great to put a message from earth on the spacecraft um and and there's a there's a golden case on the outside of the spacecraft with this diagram mm -hmm. on it um and inside the case is uh, a record um, a gold-plated record it's made out of gold because that's supposedly the element that um will survive the extremes of, of space um and encoded in data are these images that you're seeing in the book um and it also it's it's so much of this project was revolutionary uh the original project um some of the stuff that we did in our re-release was a little revolutionary but not nearly as much as as, as the original but the idea that you know we digitized billions of images a day but mm -hmm. um back in 1976 you know there was only like two companies that were really basically like converting photographs into binary data so they they figured out how to encode these images put them in the grooves on the record um also on the record is um uh, ostensibly a mixtape that was curated by the ethnomusicologist alan lomax and mm -hmm. it's kind of um a sonic poem of who we are and what we are and there's there's 55 greetings um it, it, basically it's it's a beautiful kind of um soliloquy to the extraterrestrials on 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 who we are and um ironically i think why it captured the imagination of so many people here on earth in the 40 years 45 years since it's been launched is because it mm. it it says something very beautiful about what we can be if, and what our, our world can be if, if we stop killing each other and calling each other names and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So if you, if you zoom back to the original, um, uh, the that cover. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this diagram basically was, um, was created um by uh it, it was it was created to explain to the extraterrestrials where the spacecraft came from and it's a diagram that explains should explain how to play the record um and uh by by uh tim ferris and um i'm not going to get into how the extraterrestrials are supposed to um, <laughs> I'm uncode not, it. I was on the inside back cover of our book, we have the diagram that that if the if you spit and this supposedly there was a sty, uh, needle inside the case, okay. um, but if they spin the record around uh, as, at a certain ratio, the little dotted lines around that circle on the upper left indicates how many how many units per revolution and oh, then they're okay. going to get that frequency on the right side and then that frequency is going to lead to this kind of um 
data stream, which is in that first square, and then the 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 square with the circle is is um, the first is basically a calibration image. That, that's the calibration circle. If they unlock the data in the in the steps um, going from the circle to the zigzag lines uh, mm -hmm. to the ones below, they'll get that circle. Um, anyways, uh, we had. Um, we had intended we we did a there was a poster included in this um and we were going to we did print this in gold ink on black paper um at a quantity of ten thousand pieces and so is um, that ink or foil this is foil okay but um but but the, on the poster the, yeah yeah the the quote unquote disaster um basically uh the you know the, the paper just soaked it up and the the gold lines were super dull and um it you know we had ten thousand sheets of you know this this thing that just wasn't um wasn't 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 right and mm -hmm. you know you you start to think well what are, what are we gonna do you know are you gonna let it slide there was also a, yeah, I'm, I'm perhaps giving away too much right now, but there was also no, a black circle. Yeah, there was a black circle um, around the, the, um, the sphere. Okay. And if just due to, there's always a variance. That's why you have bleed on everything. Yeah. Um, and with the circle, you could tell if it wasn't exactly straight or centered. Yeah. Um, so the poster, and we worked with a great printer that probably the best LP printers and some of the best LP printers in the US out in printing here in Southern California. And, you know, we all just kind of said, you know, we, we can't do the poster this way. So we ended up finding the foil we ended up the poster ended up being also the foil applique on top of the misprinted um black line gold line yeah. thing on the black and then we also cropped out the um black line that that kind of like gave away so that was just the the really the question is you know what what are you going to do yeah. and it's in the end, you know, these aren't drone strikes or a cure for cancer. Um, it is money. Um, it is product that people care about um, mm -hmm. and, and you have to figure it out. But um, it's also, it's also, you have to kind of keep perspective in line. Yeah. Yeah. No, no lives are lost over printing. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yes. Awesome. That was a great example. Thank you so much for walking through that because it just sort of gives some perspective that, you know, you've been around print a while and you know, you can't always plan for everything. You sort of come into situations and you just need to be able to look at it and say, okay, how can we make the best of this? And what's, what's the next step moving forward? There's so many factors and that's why, um, you really want to have a good team of people in your mm -hmm. ecosystem and and 
that the printers are not just pressing go on the press that there's yeah. you know great color engineers and great pressmen and that that they understand the craft and the things that happen in the pre-press stage are absolutely essential and um at every moment in 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 the chain you you need to be awake and alert and flexible yeah. and and kind of magnanimous and and open to solving things as best as you can yeah pr problem solving printing is problem solving sometimes <laughs> so i want to get in now to the the project that we're here to talk about which is the grammy award-winning project for ode to joy uh by wilco and i have some pictures i want to pull up on that one and you know as much detail as we can get into just sort of guide through the process um, you know, even in chronological order, just sort of how did this idea come to be a little bit of the planning? How did you find like source what papers and materials and how did you plan all that right through to anything special about the production process or press checks you can share with us? Um, so yeah, maybe while I'm pulling up the images, let's start there. How did this, how did this come to be? And did I send you the video? Oh, yeah, I did. So I'm going to add that in um, okay. for the editing part of this video feed as well. Um, I, you know what? I wonder if there's a way that I could pull it up on the stream. I'll I'll add it in. I'll add it in. Okay, no problem. But what I loved about the video is is I'm a, I totally geek out about that behind the scenes stuff, the the assembly, and you know you see how much work goes into creating an incredible print experience like this is. Well, um, it, in the simplest terms, it started with um, Jeff Tweedy, who is the, the front person of Wilco. He, he said that he wanted to do a pop-up book. And uh, fortunately, I've had the good fortune and privilege and honor, um, the humble honor of working with Wilco for, for over 20 years. I don't do every record album package for Wilco, but I've had the privilege of doing about six or seven, I think. Um, and um, on this one, he, he as, I, as I said, he wanted to do a pop-up book, but beyond that, he doesn't really um, have a, a, a dictate or an edict or, or you know, any kind of even vector for, for what he's seeing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think he's, he's He's one of those generous creatives that um, expects the most out of whom he's working with. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't, uh, he, he certainly expects things um, to be operating at a, at a enigmatic level um, that's not typical or usual or standard. Mm -hmm. um, but he doesn't say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining, you know, courses or you know rivers or anything like that is it, that yeah. is is kind of like up to um up to the process and he and i have been working long enough that i kind of understand that there's a um a, a, a period of assessing how we're gonna embody the music visually yeah. and um it, it's I think because he's such an enigmatic musician and Wilco is such a um, 
beautifully elevated band musically, I think it's 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 hard to speak about them visually in didactic terms. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's they 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 they're just rolling on a level that's I think a little bit more um, exploratory. Sorry, I'm searching for the words here. No, that's uh, fine. Um, but we, what, what typically happens with, when I work with, with Jeff is we, we kind of go through, uh, many, many cycles of ideas for the way the art can go. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, when I st- first started working on a pop-up book, um, my mind was just kind of much more literally focusing on, you know, what we're traditionally used to in, in the realm of pop-up books, you know, cities and forests and, and people and things like that. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the first questions that came to mind is when he approaches you having worked with him for so long and he says to you, Hey Lawrence, we, you know, we want to do a pop-up book. I'm thinking a pop-up book. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? My, the first thing that comes to my mind is how, how in the hell do you do a pop-up book? Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I, but um, it, you know, it, it really it draws back to the art, um, and 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 what it what is the art going to say, and what is the art going to embody, and mm-hmm. and from there we kind of had to examine a lot of um, visual styles with with a Wilco album package. We we can go through a um, hundred different explorations um and you know in like rounds of of 10 or so and uh it it, it's hard to talk about venturing into making abstract art about music um but i think as we um ventured deeper and deeper into the process the the artwork became more and more abstract and and for the sake i mean i had some general ideas about constructions and things like that but for the most part i was i was trying to kind of get my head around like a visual language a visual ecosystem you know what what kind of like look and feel is 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 gonna is this gonna kind of embody and we had lots of different directions that some were colorful some were very busy some were some were very kind of abstract expressionist. Um, and we would just check in on, on conversations. And then sometime, somewhere in there, he, he, he kind of just said that, that he almost, you know, this idea of almost nothingness or, or almost like the, um, the Beatles white album, this kind of like vague openness, uh, mm-hmm which, and he would kind of, we would have these um, conversations where you're talking about it, not, but not really talking about it. You know, it's like, there's that adage, you know, like, how do you, you know, dancing about architecture or talking about snake, you know, it's, it's, yeah. And, and, and he, he said, you know, like, well, I, I kind of almost this, I almost idea of nothingness. Um, and I said, okay, I, I, I think I, I, I got you. Um, and, um, so, so it kind of became then this orb um, became kind of like a key driver. This is all um, on this Mohawk super fine paper, mm-hmm. and actually right here, I, I'm going to get up. 
Because I can, me. I can only imagine if you didn't have th- this long relationship with him, and you know, beyond the level that you guys were, if if someone, a client, came to you and said, "I have this idea of nothingness," I can imagine, like as a designer, that's like, could you give me anything less? Yeah, yeah. Well, by the way, this it's very heavy. This is the um, this is the plate. I, I'm gonna say this oh. is probably about four. Yeah, um, it's about forty pounds. Um, I'm just guesstimating. Is so that solid copper. I think so. Yeah, yeah. smells like copper, like a trumpet, I guess. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and so th- this was um, the orb that. Um, well, yeah, don't drop that. Um, copper is going to be heavy like that. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, the plate. Things. Yeah, the plate. Uh, is it debosses that orb and then on the lp um there's also that deboss and then the lp was the inverse which was which was black and um uh the with with you but going back to the that that's a very prescient question dave you know the um working with look working with someone like wilco a group like wilco someone like jeff tweedy it's an honor and a privilege because you know it means a lot to the fans and Mm -hmm. and the music is 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 on such a um special level and Mm -hmm. and stepping into um the opportunity to um create for this band and this audience and then this this kind of on this project is 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 an honor so you 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 want to kind of roll with it and be flexible and this is not going to be a typical client situation where you know you get like four rounds with three rounds of adjustments each you know you're you're ideally you're you're making something um bigger and more um more meaningful and as we slide into uh well we the slide has happened a long time ago now as we slide more now in an, in a era where we connect the music more basically through streaming and and spotify and digitally and on our phones mm-hmm. um i feel that it's important to create things of value um that are tangible um and that could be either packages or web experiences or or concert experiences but but things that are extensions of the music that that mean something to people that that kind of illuminate the music in a way that 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 that's more than just kind of listening to a stream and and that was a nice song and now it's gone but once we got onto this kind of idea for this cover um that's when we could kind of start um really cooking on the rest of the spreads and this idea of vagueness through geometry and um this kind of abstraction through um shape and uh i feel like sometimes i'm not i don't i i I feel kind of it's not really my place to speak about the music, but sometimes in the music, there's more is said by what 
is not being said. Am I saying that correctly? Like by by mm -hmm. kind of like the the, the negative spaces in, in the song. Oh right, on the book there was also it was a it was a fabric book and and the deboss was also placed on that. Oh, cool. Um, so consistently. So you had this sort of top left, you've got this exterior package, which holds mm -hmm. um, the actual LP case, which has got the same deboss and the book is also in there. That's got the same deboss. So that's a consistent theme throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that 40 pound copper plate, you got to put that to use. And then it just became, um, an exercise in expanding these 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 textures and patterns and stories um and each each once we kind of came up with this visual language um and uh, you know i'll be completely honest you know it's not like you know we invented this language from a standing start you know we had references like the great british um artist bridget riley she was an influence um and and others like that um but we 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 made it our own um i i feel like the um the idea to kind of isolate the color system to this this narrow bound but then um the pink that we had was was a special custom pink that that the printers made um it's hard to see yeah um and it really um popped in it was more than a pms but this this idea of just being so generous with with um the open space the it's it's there's a lot of texture and a lot of layers i mean each photoshop file was um you know a gig plus uh, I was literally just about to ask that like talk to me a little bit about the file side of prepping something like this uh, it was kind of insane um, the uh, also um, once we got kind of um, in, in a pretty close lane I flew out to Chicago um, and um, worked in in the wilco loft uh for about two days um with 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 jeff around and um so we could kind of get a, a quicker rhythm and that, that was also really cool because at the time they were mastering some of the songs so you could hear what the what the music was really sounding like in a, in a full and rich way um but and then we i we we had the capacity to lay out this type um in this you know poetic apollinaire kind of way uh mm -hmm. we had laid the lyrics out in a in a traditional um column structure in on the lp inserts uh because because jeff and wilco you know they they take their lyrics serious seriously um as as is appropriate uh but to so that also gave us the freedom in the book to use them more poetically in in the mm -hmm. book uh and, and to place them where they are in terms of the rhythm and pattern and cadence and 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 beat of the song um 
It also made it much more of a nightmare to proofread and, and correct things because uh, mm-hmm. you, you couldn't say like third paragraph, fourth line, third <laughs> column or anything like that. Very you know? true. Yeah. Uh, and then they have, you know, Wilco is very much like a family. Um, everyone kind of in their ecosystem is there's this really super awesome photographer, Zorn Orlick, who, Mm -hmm. who photographed all the guys doing these kind of like, um, abstract kind of fancy moves as you see here that that's actually, um, Pat Sansom, um, but when they took the photos, there wasn't really uh, an understanding of how they might be used. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, it just seemed right to use them in these kind of abstract silhouettes. Nice. Um, yeah. And then I saw Zorn before the package came out. I said, we're using your photos, but in a way <laughs> that you may not expect. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it just, it, it just kind of, it, it spoke to the abstraction of, of everything. And, and mm-hmm. um, it's a very adventurous record musically. Um, and uh, there's just, you see these lines here. Um, there's just hundreds of different levels of lines within shapes um, and, and lines within lines. And it just, it made for um, really complex Photoshop files, which I also have to give honor due to, you know, the people at, um, at LCP in, in Waukegan, Illinois, who printed this and what they did on, on the pre-press was, was pretty amazing. Um, and they also did a lot on the um, paper engineering that was was pretty amazing and the way that the artwork was separated was mm-hmm. you know beyond way beyond even though i've been doing print design for you know 30 years uh this was on a level of print and color science that i have not um you know, this was kind of like nuclear level. <laughs> next um, level. Like next this, level stuff. I have to assume that this is not the traditional like CMYK print. There's Mm-mm. there's some custom colors throughout this piece. There's layers on layers. For sure. For sure. I don't want to break the rhythm of the podcast to pull up the spec sheet. Um, mm. Wait. Um it, it, but it was, it, no, this was not, I mean, it was on a six color press, but, um, no, I, I I'm going to stay focused, but, um, it was well above four color, um, yeah. separation and, and For there sure. was a, uh, a warm gray, uh, throughout and there was also metallic silvers throughout, um, a second black plus the pink PMS, um, hold on. So do we have, uh, and these are Mohawk stocks throughout as well? It's only Mohawk, yeah, which was really nice because you get this kind of continuity of um, quality. Um, and then it was, luckily we got to, ah, I found it. That was pretty quick. So the body inks, it's all, it's all UV 
Um, mm -hmm. There's a there's a satin aqueous throughout. Mm -hmm. There's uh, there's a um, two blacks, yellow, red, blue, pink, two pinks, a metallic silver, a gray satin aqueous, and then that again. Um, and then like on this spinner you're seeing here, each of those discs are, are you know, independently spin. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the pages have, you know, printing on both sides because, you know, panels open, doors open. Um, yeah, so let's go to some of the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that is... Um, would it be helpful if I pulled out the actual box? Uh, yeah, if you want to, and, and you know, hold yeah. it up, and yeah, we can switch to that just for a sec. Yeah, it's just incredible, sort of putting the pieces together on this of you know the different pop up elements, the different um, you know the way that the photography was used, and the outlines were used, and the layers of color, and the lines, and Let's see how well this will read on. So it's got this, um, this ribbon pull here. tab. Um, and then the black LP inside. Yeah. Uh, and then this, um, there we go. Yeah. It's a pretty deep, deep bite on that. And then, um, you know, these, we can just close this here. Uh, ta, 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 ta. Can yeah, immediately so, yeah. yeah. Um, and then this wheel spins inside here. Mm -hmm. Um, this panel pulls out and you start to see, you know, we wow. just wanted to kind of have, um, a sense of wonder and um, yeah. kineticness. Uh, this this is the reason why I wanted to pull it out because um, the um, wow yeah. So this opens. This is quite a long sheet, actually. Yeah, and um, incredible. So uh, it just becomes this this immersive experience where it's not just a book that you can look through and appreciate. It's, it's a book that you interact with. I'm glad you said that, Dave. Thank you. Uh, we, we wanted to make something that was, and this is what I feel like is why we need to support art for music, that mm -hmm. it is a physical extension of the music itself. Yes. That this is kind of, um, when you think about music as something played, you know, it's a moment or mm -hmm. if it's a sound file, mm -hmm. it's, it's this thing that's, that's not tangible. But if, if you, you know, think about the music as, as a work of art, a book like this is, is kind of the, the physical vessel, the physical kind of container that, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's not, by no means is um, proxy for the music, or or um, I, I wouldn't even say representation of, of the music, but it but it is mm -hmm. kind of an extension of the music that that is is kind of um, 
that can be permanent and, and tangible. And I think that that's why some of our, you know, quote unquote, great album covers from time means so much to people, you know, mm -hmm. something like, you know, um, you know, the NWA cover or, 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 you know, um, Sergeant Peppers or something like that, because, you know, it's more than just what the graphic is, but, but what they mean, you know, culturally to people. And, uh, that's why it's, it's important to, I think, continue to kind of support things like that. And to his credit, um, Jeff and Wilco, um, definitely put their money where their mouth is. And, and this was a very expensive project to print. Um, and if you want, you could still get them uh, available at the Wilco store. So beautiful. So that was actually sort of tying into some of the, the other next questions that I had. Um, did you do any like press checks for this? Were you on site for assembly of this or was it remote or how did that go? How did that all go? Yeah, that was no, definitely came out um, on press. Uh, I was going to pull up some photos from that. Um, but um, I, it was funny, I had been traveling a lot that year. Um, because I had released a book on 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 a different topic and was doing mm -hmm. a lot of traveling for the book and wasn't expecting to travel to Waukegan for for the press check, but I'm glad I did. Um, it was it was really important to see it actually come together and to 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 get an understanding of of how rich the the process was and. Um, in that case, it wasn't so much quality control because, um, the people behind the press were, were mm -hmm. so buttoned up, um, and, and, and Mohawk was great to work with on that as well. Um, you know, sometimes on press, you're, you're there for really like quality control or, or uh, emergency assurance or anything like that. But, yeah. but this was really, um, it was, it was, and, and also Wilco's management came up cause they were only 90 minutes away um, oh, nice. in, in Chicago. So um, it was, it was important to see, see this, this all come together. And then it was all hand assembled um, at the same place yeah. in Illinois as well. And I'm going to share that video in this once that I edit sort of the video of this. I'm going to put the video in here. Uh, maybe right now is actually a good spot. So I'll hit that video now. But um, can you just describe to me, Lawrence, what that feeling was going from something that you had been immersed in and creating on screens for the most part for however long it took? How long did it take from for sort of ideas before you sort of putting things together and had a finished file to send. Oh, that that's like a nine to 10 month run. Mm -hmm. um, I also, this is the only project I went out to the pressing of the LP for, cool. which um, I'll, I have some iPhone footage of. And it's funny because I've, I've obviously I've clearly been in the music industry for quite some number of years. I've never gone to an LP pressing. Um, there's really no reason for a designer to do that um, yeah. because there's no like aesthetic call there. It's just like, you know, it's pressed the way it's pressed. We did it's do the, the experience, the experience. And they, they happen to be just 
um, about 90 minutes away from me here in Los Angeles. So I was like, you know, I, I, I want to go see this and, you know, you see the vinyl come in, you see the plates made. It's, we, we, I got to see every single, um, aspect of this. Um, and, uh, when you know this project or honestly any almost any other when you actually see it come come to life in your hands there there's mm -hmm. there's there's no feel there's no word to describe how special that um moment is it's just kind of like you you've made something you've made it real um it it it's meaningful um we you know we had the band sign each one uh I, I, hopefully we feel like we've made a piece of art that people mm -hmm. appreciate. Yeah. And that's exactly where my question was going. You've been putting so much creative work into this, mostly on a screen for nine or 10 months, going to that shop for the first time and seeing elements of it printed. Is that, is it scary? Is that exciting? Is it all of the above? What is that? Um, it's, uh, well, it shouldn't be scary because you should know what uh, it's going to look like at, at, at that moment. Um, yeah. And it's also for the uninitiated, it, it's really when you see it come back in in format like this, that is the, because the, when you see it on a large sheet, it's, um, it's uncut, it's, you have different forms next to each other. But um, to me, those those pages are so beautiful. Um, I, I couldn't. I I actually had to ask them to ship back to California uh, a full sheet of of every form because it's just so beautiful. Yeah, as, I love as, press sheets. Yeah, yeah. So I um, it's you. It's it's always more vibrant. Usually, ideally, it's more vibrant in um, in real life than it is on the screen, and it's it's more real, and and that's where you know the paper matters and the ink matters. Um, and uh, we actually used they Wilco used all the make readies um, as material for other jackets for other LPs that they they overprinted and and just kind of um, recut them for for LP jackets. Um, that's cool yeah but it's it's when it's cut and bound and and delivered in its finished form that that you really get kind of proud man that's beautiful as somebody you know i've been in the print industry a long time and it still is is amazing and beautiful to me when i come across something where so much time and energy was put into really each step and thinking through how can we make this the greatest interactive experience we can for these fans and these, these people who will want to interact with the band on more than a Spotify kind of level. And this is just a beautiful example to that. And, obviously having the public recognition of the Grammy award on the hard work, like that just has to be the cherry on top. It's, it's, it's really nice, Dave. Um, it's a different type of package and mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of box sets out there. Uh, it, I liked, look, I, like I said, I, I, I like to, 
think that the creation of this is 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 kind of an extension of the art and it, it's a piece of art in and of itself yes i think that there's a lot of box sets out there and i'm not denigrating them at all because they're cool too but where it's more like commemorative sets where it's yes. like it's a road case and there's a laminate and there's a, i mean there's a really super um portlandia sketch where they like kind of mock a b-52's box set where oh really it, okay but yeah it's 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 to the audience it's it's pretty funny uh, it's worth you might want to drop a link to it somewhere yeah, definitely gonna in find the podcast it. um but when artists um and not just wilco but but artists at all step out into bold territory visually um in videos or in you know stage design or an ar and vr or small films or things like that you know whenever whenever they they step into a place that's a little bit more artistic you know that that is a risk and that is um heartening to me and um we were up against some really um excellent box sets uh paul mccartney um the ghostly records box set by by michael china who i i, I admire very much as, as a person as an as a, as a designer um the uh the team at rhino records is per, perennially in there um they they did it they always do incredible incredible work uh and it, it, it's just nice that um the community uh celebrates art and mm -hmm. and it's nice to be in, in in company with such good people too that's beautiful um lawrence the last question i want to wrap this up and end with is there's a number of designers who are very interested in print and excited about getting into print and creating these tactile experiences these things that um that people will put on their shelves or their or their coffee tables and remember for years and years to come. Um, what advice would you give to a designer who is new to print or wanting to get started with print design? Well, I would, I would, first I would thank them and say congratulations for, for stepping into an area that, that is meaningful and important and, and enduring. Uh -huh. um, I was talking with some um, smart fellows, one of whom was one of the original founders of Pitchfork Magazine. And, and he was saying, um, really great statement, you know, when he dies, he doesn't want to leave his kids a bunch of um, internet passwords. <laughs> yes. And it's kind of like, you know, this, the art that we make, and this is if you go to the Met and you look at, you know, paintings from the Renaissance or the medieval period or impressionist painting, you know, the, the art that we make is 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 evidence of, of who we are as a as a society, as a people, mm -hmm. of what's important mm -hmm. to us, of, of what the human experience is. So as you're as you're stepping into a career um, in print, ideally you're you're contributing to the extension of that of that history. Um, and that it's important to remember that um, that it's an art. And that, but it's an applied art. That's an applied art that you know informs you know, the fabric of our society. Um, try to 
find clients that uh, or or studios or collaborators that that allow you to work on the books and the posters and um, the records of the LPs or or the, or the boxes or, or or pamphlets or whatever that um, speak to people that move mm-hmm. people. You know, every day I, I think about you know what my, what my purpose is as a designer is and to me it's about making something that sparks creativity in individuals mm-hmm. um and that doesn't mean that everything that you do has to do that you know i do stuff that is commercially based you know we have to pay the rent and pay the bills, <laughs> bills to like pay that. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. bills to pay but um if you're able to create things of value aesthetically and culturally that that speak to things that are important to you mm-hmm. culturally socially politically um artistically um things that are that are meaning you know find the way to do that and um if you if you do that and you just step into it and you just start um it might be easier than one might think definitely that's awesome Lawrence, you've reached the end of the Print Design Podcast, man. I really appreciate your time and sharing this beautiful piece with us. And um, and thank you so much. Awesome, Dave. Thank you. I really am thrilled to be here today.